0: Just a few announcements to mention before we move to pray and read the Bible. During the service, towards the end, we're going to share communion together. Um, If you haven't heard of this already, now might be the time to think through how you can join in. Uh, Maybe you have a crust of bread and a sip of juice that you could get ready so that you can share with us towards the end of the service. Uh, With the easing of restrictions this week, we hear that uh, some churches may be meeting in small gatherings. Uh, Here at Solar Revival Church, we have no immediate plans to move uh, to a different form of service from what we are doing at the moment. Our leadership is meeting to think through how we might be able to meet together um, in moderate numbers safely, perhaps at stage three, uh, and we're keen to hear your views and get your reactions, and we'll have a survey coming out shortly. So please take a moment to engage with us, with that, and tell us what you, what you think. We're gonna read the Bible now and pray. Lisa is gonna lead our prayers.
1: Well, good morning everybody it's great to be joining you in your homes this morning Um, please join with me as i pray heavenly father you are worthy of all praise as the one who created all things sustains all things and is moving all things towards the glorious conclusion you have planned for them we thank you especially for sending your son that through him we have forgiveness and life and hope thank you for your wonderful plan of redemption and for the fellowship we now have with you through your son and in your spirit. Father, our world is broken and we are more aware than ever as a result of the COVID pandemic, the civil unrest around the world and continuing economic uncertainty. We long for that day when every tear will be wiped away, when death will be no more and there will be no more grief or pain. But we know we are not there yet, and we pray that you might enable us to live as your light in the midst of this darkness, testifying to your continued goodness and the hope that has been secured for all your people through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Today, Lord, we lift to you the people of the United States and the continued unrest that has rocked their nation. We pray for peace and unity among their people. And we pray, Lord, that their leadership might look to you for guidance and seek your wisdom. As demonstrations are planned in Australia, we pray for reconciliation in our own country as we recognise the underlying racial tensions and inequalities that exist. We continue to pray for a deep and lasting reconciliation between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. Father, you created all people in your image, and we acknowledge that all are precious to you. We continue to pray for all of our leaders. Please give them wisdom to all levels of government in Australia and for officials who are making vital decisions and who are under such enormous pressure. Guide their hands so that they make decisions based on truth and love. Please withhold power and influence from anyone who would use this time for selfish gain of any kind. We continue to uphold those who serve our community in health and other essential services. May they know your peace as they continue to sacrificially serve daily. Please protect them, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that our schools have returned and we continue to uphold our teachers and students to you. We particularly pray for those preparing for their final exams and assessments towards the HSC and ask for a diligence in study that is surrounded at every point by a calm confidence in you and your provision. Father, please be with our church leadership as we continue to plan our return to -to face-to-face fellowship. Please give wisdom on how to best listen to directions that are given while still caring for one another and prioritising the need to encourage one another as we see the day of Christ drawing near. We continue to give thanks for so many who've contributed to our online services at Soul Revival and who have ensured that your word has gone out and that your people have still gathered in your name. Father, we ask that you use this time of uncertainty and all circumstances surrounding it to bring people to their knees. Turn people's hearts and minds back to you in repentance and faith. Enable us all to see that for too long we've based our life on shifting sand. Bring people all over the world, whether for the first time or in a fresh way, to turn to the Lord Jesus as their rock and to put their hope and trust in him. Thank you that no matter where we have wandered or how long we've run from you, you are always ready to welcome us back through Jesus and what he's done for us. Please help us to be strong and courageous, not afraid or discouraged, because you are near. Help us not to be anxious, but to present all our requests to you in prayer. As we do that, may your peace guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. At a time where it feels like the whole world is changing, we praise you, Father, for you never change. We praise you, Lord Jesus, for you are the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen.
0: Reading from Daniel chapter 9. You can read along with the words which will appear on the screen or in your own copy. Starting at verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong we have been wicked and have rebelled we have turned away from your commands and laws we have not listened to your servants the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings our princes and our ancestors and to all the people of the land lord you are righteous but this day we are covered with shame the people of judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favour of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, Turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name.
2: Well, hello, it's great to be with you today. Um, If you've got your Bibles with you, uh, keep them open to Daniel chapter 9 because we're going to keep working through that chapter. But first, I've got a question to get you thinking. How would you rate your prayer life? Well, there's a very common answer to that. Uh, Not nearly as good as it should be, which is actually code for Oh, uh, um, I've got good intentions, but I nearly always fall asleep on the job. It's tough, isn't it? Prayer is tough. It's a real battle. But the question is, are you continuing the fight or have you laid down your weapons and surrendered? Begs the question, where does a, a good prayer life begin? And actually, it doesn't, your personal prayer life doesn't start by looking at yourself. It starts by looking to God who he is, what he has done, and what he will do. Often it's hearing God speak to us first that inspires us to respond to him. And that's actually the case what happens today in our chapter. Before launching into an epic prayer, Daniel is reflecting on the word of God. But before we do that, why don't we pray to God now that he would help us as we approach his word. Let's pray. Lord, You are the great and awesome God. How amazing it is that you speak to us and reveal your plans for us. Lord, we need your help as we so easily turn away and block our ears to your commands. We pray for your mercy now to hear and obey your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're actually given the exact time where this chapter is set. We're in the first year of King Darius and the year is 539 BC. You might remember back to the fifth chapter of Daniel where the hand of God appeared and he wrote on the wall. Well, it was right around then that the Babylonian kingdom came to an end and they were conquered by a new empire, the Persian empire. And Daniel is living through all of this. Um, And it's a a fulfilment of God's promise that kingdoms will come and kingdoms will go. But in verse 2, Daniel is also reading another promise of God given through the prophet Jeremiah. I've got it here on screen for you. Jeremiah chapter 29, starting at verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfil my good promise to bring you back to this place, this place being Jerusalem. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Well, the 70 years are just about up and Daniel's waiting to see if God's going to follow through on his promise. But let's read on with Daniel as it continues in Jeremiah from verse 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord and will bring you back from captivity. And so that's exactly what Daniel does. He seeks God with all his heart. And so coming back to Daniel chapter nine and verse three, Whoops, sorry. So, I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Now, did you notice the seriousness of his prayer? It's with pleading and fasting that he approaches God. This is not just a, an afterthought or throwaway prayer. Now, I know you'd never pray like that, would you? Well, I know I do. I do it all too often. And yes, we do have confidence to come before God any time and with any type of word. We don't always have to have beautifully composed and rehearsed prayers. Better a simple and short prayer than no prayer at all. But the example of Daniel here is to encourage us to pray seriously. It's actually a challenge to pray seriously. There are times where we really should be putting aside everything to plead with God. Could it be that we would be so serious about God that we could put aside eating even or any kind of self-centred activity to focus on our conversation with God? It's a real challenge, isn't it? I know, I know I could be a lot more serious in prayer. And he wears sackcloth and ashes, a posture of confession before God. It was sin that had put Israel into exile and so it was now sin that had to be confessed as they turned back to a holy and pure God. And so, in verse eight, Daniel confesses, we and our kings, our our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. Now, Daniel is a godly man. He's actually been faithful to God. Um, He's been displaying integrity in his public office we've seen all through Daniel he's been a man of prayer he is someone who could have quite rightly prayed have mercy on them for they have sinned and yet he doesn't he prays about us he accepts the blame and he wears the shame and as Daniel begins his prayer he pulls out the full lexicon to describe Israel's failure before God the portrait is bleak And he confesses to wickedness and willful rebellion, a turning away from God's commands and rejection of God's prophets. We are covered in shame, Daniel laments. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that what makes us right with God is first admitting that we're not right with God. Loathing of our sin is the mark of having a new heart. Now, from a worldly point of view, Any kind of self-loathing is unhealthy, dangerous even. But the sinner who stands before a holy God must make a humble and honest self-appraisal and pray, Father, forgive me of my sin. Indeed, as a Christian becomes mature, we actually become more and more aware of the depths of our sin. And so what about the church? Well, the church should be a place where we're always ready to admit our failing. There is so much to say sorry for. Sorry to God and sorry to each other. When confession of sin dies out, then the church is no longer the church. That's why we regularly pray the prayer of confession. That's why we'll do it today as we have the Lord's Supper. So... Do you recognise the diagnosis of your own heart? The failings in your behaviour? Do you cringe? Are you shocked and dismayed at just how fallen you can be? Do you hate it? Does it really bother you? Now before we get too full of self-loathing and buried under our shame of sin, we always need to remember that we have a God of grace and forgiveness. And so in verse um, 9, we read this. The Lord, our God, is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. I mean, they're great words, aren't they? Even Even though we have rebelled against him, the Lord, our God, is merciful and forgiving. And that's what helps us to be able to call out sin. We can name our sin confident that we have a God who can forgive. Now Daniel prayed this prayer with confidence. But how much more us upon the, the fulfillment of ages has come? We live on this side of the cross. We can look to the person and work of Jesus and be totally assured that we have a God who has dealt with sin on the cross. That's how he can be merciful and forgiving. Okay, well that's the first thing Daniel does in his prayer. He outlines a lengthy confession of sin. But in verse 15, his prayer turns to the reputation of God. Now um, here's an interesting thing to reflect on. We know that Daniel was praying this prayer in the first year of King Darius. So this prayer dates to about the same time as the events in chapter 6. In chapter 6, you might remember, it's the lion's den event. So will you notice this? Will you notice that what Daniel does not pray about? He doesn't pray about the pickle that he's in, about the growing opposition in government ranks. He doesn't pray about the threat of being thrown to the lions. By now, Daniel is 80 years old, but there is no self pity. There's no, oh, give me a break, Lord. Nothing about getting an older body and his weakening health. Well, let's see what he does ask for. In verses 16 to 19, he, re- he directly talks about God. Fifteen times he refers to God. He talks about your righteousness, Lord, your anger, your wrath, your city, your holy hill, your servant your own sake, your sanctuary, your eyes, your great mercy, your name. Fifteen times, it's all about God. Yep, Daniel is worried about Israel and them being in exile. But he's actually more worried about God's reputation. What will the world think of God when they see his people sinning? And so in verse 16, Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Daniel's been saying, God, your name was established and honoured at the Exodus. Your name is now being trashed by this exile. God's people have become a byword among the nations. The sins of Israel have turned God into a joke. And Daniel can't stand it. You can't stand seeing God's reputation being dragged through the mud. You can understand that, can you not? I mean, how do you feel when someone who you dearly love is being bad-mouthed? It's actually a very mature prayer. It's not self-centred in any way. It's not like uh, God, uh, please rescue us. Please take us home to Jerusalem. It's actually a very God-centred prayer. It's saying, Lord, the rebuilding of Jerusalem Will bring honour to your name. Now I'm sure you've had the opportunity to remind a small child to think of others, have you not? Now, Johnny, when you're at the party, make sure you leave enough lollies for everybody. You know, we need to teach children to think of others. It's part of becoming mature. Maturity says it's not all about me. And so the same with Christian maturity. We have the same concern As mature Christians, we think of others. And especially we think of the honour and glory of our great God. I know my prayers could be a lot more concerned for God's reputation. Because what is it that we really pray for mostly? Um, Our day, our family, our work, our ministry. And again, don't get me wrong, these are things we should be praying for. We should be praying more, not less. Yet we do have to pray for our daily bread but our prayers should also be full of God. Remember how the Lord's Prayer begins. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay, and so we come to verse 20 and we hear God's answer to Daniel, an answer that God gives uh, for the stress of the exile, an answer that God gives to the prayers of his people and it's verses 24 to 27, and it's a whole lot of really weird stuff. As I said a couple of weeks ago, um, symbolic literature will cultivate a whole lot of theories about what this all means, uh, ideas about the what and the who and the when. And at first glance, it's almost like it's a secret code, but the aim is very much the opposite. Put it here in verse 22 where the angel Gabriel comes to Daniel, he says this, he instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. So Gabriel has not come down and said, hey Daniel, riddle me this. You're never going to work out what this means. No, he comes down and he says, I've given this in order for you to understand. Okay, so let's try to understand this section of scripture. So you might have to put your seatbelt on. It can be a little bit tricky to find it out, but I reckon we can make it clear and get the main point through to us fine. So I've tried to map it out on a table for us on screen so you can follow along. I'll just get that up for you. Oh, here we go. So, firstly, it's about 70 weeks or 77s. Now, the 77s are broken down into a group of seven, a group of 62 and then 1. So you can do your maths. 62 plus 7 plus 1 equals 70. Okay, and these groups are period of time and they coincide with events. The first period of seven sevens is a time that we're waiting for a ruler to come. Then there's going to be a period of 62 sevens. And during that time, the city of Jerusalem is going to be restored and rebuilt, but we're told it's also going to be a time of trouble. And at the end of this time, there's going to be another ruler, but that ruler is going to be cut off. And then in the final seven period, we have the rebuilt city and temple being destroyed. And there's going to be wars and desolations until the end is decreed. Well, okay, there's lots of theories about what all this means. And the problem is we can get lost in details. We've got to be careful how we approach this literature. Now, a simple understanding is this, that the two rulers are different people. The first ruler is Cyrus, um, and he's the ruler who's gonna allow Israel to return to Jerusalem. And the second ruler is thought to be Jesus himself, referring to his earthly ministry. So at this point, let's stand back from the detail because we're going to easily get lost there and apply the rules that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, remembering that numbers are symbolic and not always literal. So the seven sevens are referring to periods of time. They might be a short period of time, a one seven, or a long period of time like 62 sevens. But here's the point. All of them are definite periods of time decided by God. So we're actually mapping history from God's perspective. We're not given the numbers to calculate exact dates or literally count down weeks or years. We're told this so that we know that there's a story and that the story has an author and the story has chapters. Some chapters are longer than others, but the story has been written. The plot line has been worked out. The times have been set. That's the big idea. God has set a time when the world will end. And actually, this is picked up in the cover verse before this whole section in verse 24. Here on screen. There we are, verse 24. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place long time or short time the point is there's a time has been set there is a time when this world ends and a time when everlasting righteousness we read there is going to be brought in now unlike daniel we actually have the whole story in our hands many of us would have read to the end of our Bibles. But if you haven't got that far yet, I'm going to have to warn you, it's spoiler alert. It does end well for God's people. The Bible does have a happily ever after ending for the saints of the Most High. And that's the real reality from God, even if it flies in the face of what we see on earth, in the here and now. Daniel's prayer is a prayer for the restoration of Jerusalem, quite literally, for the city and the temple to be rebuilt. The answer comes from God. Yes, it will be rebuilt, but it's all going to be destroyed again. But for Christians today, we know that God has an even bigger plan. His plans are far beyond the rebuilding of a temple in Jerusalem, far beyond the borders of Israel. So much more exciting than the return from a 70 year exile. God is looking forward to the end, capital E-N-D. The time has been set. And we look forward to an eternal city, a heavenly Jerusalem. Something that cannot be built by people with bricks and mortar. This is a new Jerusalem that won't need a temple because God will be with his people everywhere. So I was looking at these last verses from Revelation in chapter 21. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And so we live now in the meantime, God's people still in exile, but holding firm to the word he has given us, the word that we're challenged in this passage to consider, to see what God has revealed about his future. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do confess to you that we have sinned against you in thought and word and deed, and in what we have failed to do. Lord, we plead with you for forgiveness. We thank you for your grace and mercy that you demonstrated to Daniel by the returning of the exiles. But we especially thank you for your mercy found at the cross, for the forgiveness found in Jesus and the promise of eternal life with
3: you. Amen. Well I hope you've had a great service so far and wherever you are in your houses all over the Shire and beyond. Um, We've really been enjoying our services together, but today we're going to do something uh, that's terrific that we've been missing, which is to take the Lord's Supper together. And what I'd encourage you to do now is before we take the Lord's Supper, I'd love you to go and get yourself a cup with some apple juice in it, and you might like to get yourself a piece of bread as well. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to us from Luke chapter 22, verses 14. So get your stuff ready, and let's have a read of this. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you that I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Take this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. This is the covenant of my blood, the new covenant, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine at the table. The son of man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them might be the one who would do this so let's now take the cup and remember that the lord gave his life for us and shed his blood for us so take and drink this in remembrance of him in the same way take our bread and we remember by eating this bread that the lord jesus broke his body for us so take this and eat this in remembrance of him Feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. I'm going to pray for us now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your many blessings to us. In particular, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this blessing of technology that allows us to continue to meet together during this time of isolation. We thank you for our friends and our family. We thank you for work and health and rest. We pray for those, Heavenly Father, who are under duress at this time and we pray heavenly father that you'd strengthen us in your in our innermost being by your holy spirit we pray heavenly father most of all for the blessing that you've given us in your son jesus we thank you for his death and resurrection and we thank you for the promise of new life that we have in him please sustain us and guide us and keep us strong at this time in jesus name we pray amen Well, thanks for being with us today. I hope it's been a blessing to you. And I hope that this actually helps you to start another new day and indeed a new week serving the Lord Jesus one way.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com, and you can see all the gatherings at the top of the page. You can choose anyone you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Thanks again, and one way. Music is OK by Ixer.